Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To The Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon. Here with my co-host, Eric Trexler. Eric, Eric, changing it up this week, a little later in the week doing the podcast. I kind of like it. It's my uh, my vacation got in the way. I apologize. I ended up working the whole time anyway, so really we didn't need to reschedule. Oh, bummer. Okay. okay. Well, that's kind of a Debbie Downer to kick it off. (laughs) Well, the podcast is always the highlight of my week. It really is. So let me me bring it right back up. The podcast is always the highlight. I just didn't have any recording equipment. I was in Tampa visiting the in-laws. So really didn't have a recording space or equipment. Understood. Mm. Wow. Welcome back. Welcome Thank back. You. Thank we you. We missed you. Feel like um, I never left. Who do we have today? Okay. Get ready because this is going to be a really fun conversation. Um, it's probably like a six-part episode that we're setting up for. Uh, we've got Dr. Sway Liu. He's a SUNY Empire Innovation Professor at the Department of Computer Science and Engineering. He's the director of UB Media Forensic Lab and the founding co-director of Center for Information Integrity at the University of Buffalo, State University of New York. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Lou. Rachel cut your bio by about, she cut about two-thirds of it out. If we read the whole thing, we'd be here for 20 minutes. You are quite accomplished in this So accomplished. It's kind of amazing, and you're like in a really hot area. The whole deep fake thing, and you know, I saw your your deep fake meter. I mean, there's so much we have to talk about today. I, I don't know if we have enough time. <laughs> the deep fake meter is the best. The best, okay. yes. Do you um? So I guess let's start at the beginning. I mean, how did you find your way to deep fakes? Yeah, it's quite interesting, actually. Um, I started working my PhD degree uh, starting 2000, 2001, uh, working in this area called multimedia forensics. So mm-hmm. back in the old days, multimedia forensics, meaning, you know, we want to detect if somebody photoshopped a, a, an image um, or, you know, digitally beautify a face, you know, make it look nicer. Um, those are serious problems, but relatively speaking, those are low tech and it's only like, you know, um, a few weeks in your lawn, that kind of thing. You know, you just kind of, you know, you know their existence. Um, everybody know they're bad, but nobody really takes it seriously. Yeah. Um, but what is kind of interesting is my another um, um, research interest, a branch of my research interest is in artificial intelligence, more particularly in computer vision and machine learning. So those are oh, yeah. um, uh, core areas uh, behind those AI algorithms. And, you know, on that side, I'm trying to use algorithms to do a lot of interesting things. So it was actually in 2018, uh, early 2018, it was in a technical conference. I met with a colleague and he mentioned to me this thing called deep fakes. And I was very, mm-hmm. you know, uh, intrigued by what it is. And he told right. me it was basically... Somebody use an AI algorithm, create a fake video, um, and and spread it online, and a lot of people seem to be fooled by it. And and this is it's almost like a magical uh, moment because <laughs> it just joined the two major interests right. of my of my research, 
into one single point. Um, in the past, I've been working on media forensics algorithms, but not particularly using a lot of AI algorithms. On the other hand, you know, I'm working on AI algorithms, but doing totally different things. And right. now here is a chance that I can combine both of them. And also after digging this, uh, digging in a little bit more, I sort of feel like the potential significant negative impact this kind of technology can have to the society. Right. Um, you know, we, we, and I think, you know, it's that moment I got, you know, both scientifically curious about this topic. Mm -hmm. And also socially aware that, you know, the, the, the impact this can have to us, uh, to everyone. Um, so I, I feel like this is going to be a very interesting research topic to investigate and have my student working on this. Um, and in about, you know, uh, three, four months, we come up with our first method and, and everything starts from there. Yeah. Awesome. No kidding. I feel like deep fakes. A lot of people talk about them. They have a high level understanding of what a deep fake is. Right. But I have yet to run into many people who actually think about it in their day-to-day -day business or right. what they're doing. They don't look at some YouTube video right. or some Twitter video or some TikTok, whatever it may be, and really question, did Nancy Pelosi really say that? Right. Or is that a deep fake and somebody's try? I just want in, in right. my travels and speaking with people, they're, they're aware of deep fakes, Dr. Lou. They don't seem to apply that awareness and practice in day-to-day -day practice. Right. I mean, are right. you seeing the same thing? Uh, yes, initially at least. Um, right now, I think a lot of people talk about deep fakes and they become more aware of it. Um, just, like one little uh, note, uh, the Nancy Pelosi video where we, we saw, I think two years ago, become right. viral on YouTube. That yes. was actually not a deep fake. Uh, people called it shallow fake or cheap fake. Um, oh. The way it was created <laughs> was actually by slowing down the playback speed of that mm -hmm. video. So make her sound like, you know, slow talking, a little bit slurpy, right. those kind of feelings. Um, but no AI algorithm is used and no okay. content was actually changed. It was just the rep uh, presentation of the contents. Um, so, so that's, you know, so this come back to the definition of deepfakes. What we mean by deepfakes right. um, is basically a strict name. Uh, you know, I usually use the name uh, AI synthesized media uh, to make it sound <laughs> a bit more neutral. Uh, you know, deepfakes necessarily carry this negative feeling with it. But what do we mean by uh, deepfakes uh, using that term is to reform all forms of audiovisual media that are either synthesized completely or manipulated with the help of AI and particularly deep, what something we call deep learning technologies. Right. Deep learning is a special type of technology mm -hmm. in AI. So you combine the term deep learning and fake media uh, to get the, to coin the term deepfakes. So that's, Basically, the origin of, uh, ah. uh, of these kind of things. Now, I think people are becoming more and more aware of deepfakes these days, um, simply because it's so up many, many times in media, and we are seeing a lot of examples right. coming, you know, um, uh, emerging on all the social platforms. Um, yeah. I would, I can count on my finger, you know, from some of the most recent examples. Mm -hmm. You know, very recently, there's this. Um, um, Synthesized video of uh, Ukrainian president yes, uh, Zelensky, Zelensky, yes, talking about you know all the Ukrainian citizens you know 
putting down their weapons and surrender to the Russians, right? Um, and just two days ago, uh, I was interviewed by MSNBC. Um, they found out um, a, a, a fake TikTok account um, impersonating um, actor uh, Robert Pattinson. Uh, oh, wow. And, and okay. it was a viral video because it looks so similar to the real person. And, and the, the video got millions of millions of views and spread it fast online. So I think, you know, as we're seeing uh, more and more of these examples, people are becoming more aware of it. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're aware that they're out there or they're aware that what they're watching could be a deep fake and could be influencing their perceptions of, of reality. I think mostly the former, they aware the existence of deep fakes, but okay. we actually did, uh, we, we did a study, um, you know, do a survey of some online users. Uh, we found that, you know, they, they almost everybody know the existence of deep fakes, but right. when you, when you ask, when we actually ask them, you know, have you ever seen a deep fake that without your awareness, not something pointing to this as a deep fake right. and look at that, but something you figure out as a deep fake. Um, almost nobody said they have seen some. So I think, right. you know, the, the aware, we talk about two levels of awareness. One is the awareness of their existence. The other is the awareness of the closeness of that existence to yes. every one of us. Um, I have to okay. say, um, there, there are a couple of reasons for this. Uh, one particular, I think one particular one is the deepfakes we're seeing now are mostly making for fun or exaggerating right. that. So we, right. we haven't, for whatever reason, we haven't seen a deepfake video that is sneaking in that is, you know, look realistic enough, but right. conveying a message not so ridiculous or outrageous. This right. is subtle, but it's misleading. I think that kind of defects will really cause concern, will, will cause concerns. But, you know, for some reason, we haven't seen that. But I think technically, that's already possible. Um, we're just not seeing them, uh, many, uh, many examples right. at this moment. But that doesn't speak for the future. Is there any research out there showing what percentage of the population, wherever that may be, has been exposed to a deep fake? Like, I don't know that I've seen one that influenced my decision-making process, but I don't know that I mm. haven't either. Right. Right. So a right. lot of us that saw is... the President Zelensky um, yes. deepfake, right? But I, I wasn't laying down arms and I think it was so broadly spread that, yeah, I'm not in the Ukraine, in Ukraine. So mm. um, I, I think it was so widely spread, media covered it, you know, it wasn't legit. Right. But I don't know if there are any others that impacted me per se, or, or Rachel maybe, that we aren't aware of, but it did influence our thinking. Have there been any studies? Yeah. Um, not particularly. I think the study is, um, is, is fairly difficult to conduct. You know, it, right. How it's would you very even do it? Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. the other thing is, if you're not aware of the, uh, something is a deep fake, it's very hard to say, you know, I've seen a deepfake, right? So that, that right, right. <laughs> right. That's the problem with this disinformation, Rachel. You right. can't find it. Yes. Yeah. But the, but the uh, there's other interesting, well, there's other, um, I'll say causes of this problem because, you know, um, so one, I think one of the dominating 
negative use of defect te- technology is this is is in pornography, you know, and, and especially yes. this is called revenge yes. pornography. So after a breakup, a former spouse or you know boyfriend, usually the victims are women, um, and they use the their access to the footage, the private footage of the victim, yeah. and make a pornographic uh, video or image and planted the victim's face into it. And I was actually involved in one of the legal legal cases as an expert witness. Um, and what I learned is, you know, many cases it, for, for that particular case, it doesn't matter if the video looks real or not. It's, you know, sometimes you, some of the videos are made very crudely. Um, right. Visible artifacts is all over the places. There's no, there's no difficulty for anybody to tell this is a fake video. But yeah. it still got a lot of people viewing it. So I think, you know, in terms of, so humans are very nature in, uh, very complicated in this yeah. sense, because we go online searching for information, not just for knowing the truth, but um, a lot of time with other kind of intentions. And, you know, sometimes we're just looking for the most eye-catching, the most sensational, the most interesting, exciting, whatever. Um, and that, that usually is not the true information because truth right. is boring, right? And so, so, so I think that the deepfakes, um, so that's why most known deepfakes are in that genre. It got a lot of people's attention because it's right. showing something abnormal, you know, out of the, out of the normal and interesting. But, but okay. I, as, as far as I know, there's no, um, there are some study about how many deepfakes we know existing online but right. uh, that, that's only the tip of the iceberg and nobody really know how many we are or actually have yeah. right i mean how could you know i mean that's mm-hmm. that's a good point that's that's a really yeah. good point <laughs> now i was i was reading an article um and i think it was from march last year where you were talking about uh one way to spot a deep fake is in the eyes and something mm-hmm. about the reflection in the eyes could you could you talk a little bit about that? And, and is that still the case? Or has the technology already evolved so quickly that that's not a telltale sign anymore? Well, I think, yeah. So so this is one, I, I'll answer the second part of your question first and then okay. talk about that work. Um, this is actually a nature of this line of work I learned throughout 20 years working in this area. Um, mm-hmm. Unlike other scientific research fields where you deal with Nature, a, a nature, a natural phenomenon is something mm-hmm. doesn't change. It's just by its very, uh, by its very nature, complicated, difficult to understand. But it's it's a fixed problem, and you just tackle it. Um, for this line of work, it's more like a cybersecurity. We're basically right. dealing with adversaries, and and on top of this, so so the problem by itself is very dynamic. And on top of that, mm-hmm. you know, the current scientific research model is. We develop some methods, we publish in the paper, we basically share this yeah. with everyone. So that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the uh, adversaries can take advantage of that and improve mm-hmm. their algorithm. So I think it's yeah. always a cat and mouse game. And I think in this case, it's a very tiny cat with a big mouse and the mouse <laughs> has no source of money. So it's, kinda, so it's a kind of competition or arm race uh, that right. we are sort of on the losing end because of that. Right. And, and, you know, just think about how much incentive um, uh, for those people making defects compare, in comparison with, you know, we right. trying to expose them, right? Um, but that's, I, I don't want to be over-pessimistic. I think, you know, right. this it, it, we're catching up. Um, so, but, but it's always dynamic. So whenever we figure out something, 
I'm sure, you know, at certain stage, at certain point, someone will be able to fix their models right. and, 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 and remove that. So coming back to this, I mean, that's something we observed um, and is particularly uh, um, applicable for um, synthetic human faces. Um, right. So these are, you know, there's, there's a model known as generative adversarial net neural network. Uh, mm -hmm. We usually use the short name GAN for it. Yes. Um, and the GAN models have been shown to have the ability to create highly realistic human faces. And wow. if you put them side on side, it's very, very hard to tell apart from real human faces mm -hmm. and those synthetic faces. And what is more important is um, there, there's a recent study uh, showing to human subjects both the synthetic faces and yes. real human faces. And it turns out that most of the human viewers view the synthetic faces as more trusting, more <laughs> friendly. Uh, you know, nice luck, Rachel. And, and that's, you know, that, that's why, you know, um, those um, um, uh, online trolls, uh, they mm -hmm. set up fake social accounts on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. Twitter, and Facebook. Um, instead of using, you know, uh, stealing somebody else's images uh, used as a, as a photograph, right. they now use GAN-generated images um, wow. simply because it's, it's harder to trace and it's also, and they also look better. So this is, you know, this is the problem we have to deal with. So we want to tell if an image is a real face or is generated by this model. Right. Now, so, so the model is, is quite powerful being able to create all those high, uh, you know, fine details in hair, on the skin, right. and so on. But we also figure out that the, the model is uh, has an Achilles heel, um, and and this is the, a kind of interesting observation. It's kind of like a we have an aha moment. Uh, we have enough number of this this kind of uh, images, and I stare into those images. There's always something kind of funny looking at them. Yeah, they all look yeah. real, and then one day I realized that you know the, the the two eyes. When you look at the reflections, you know our mm -hmm. eyes is a very amazing organ right. on a human body is the only one that have a regular geometric shape. So right. the iris part is almost close to a perfect sphere. And not only that, it's like a mirror. It's almost like a perfect mirror. It reflects okay. lights uh, very, right. very, uh, very effectively. So if we are taking somebody taking a photograph, close up, partial photograph of us, if there's anything in the scene, that either emitting light or reflecting light, like, right. you know, Rachel, in your room right now, there's a light there. And mm -hmm. uh, that light, um, when it reaches your eyes, it will leave an image. And that image right. is a reflection. Um, okay. And, okay. and of course, in comparison with the size of the room, our the distance between our eyes is very small. And right. we the eyes are, if we assume, you know, roughly the two eyes are in the same planar um, uh, in the same plan, then they are roughly looking at the same things, right? So right. very intuitive, visually expect, you know, whatever the two eyes see are roughly the same, right? right. Um, and, and that boils down to, if we look at the reflections, the highlights, the specular reflections, they should also be similar because where right. the two eyes are essentially looking at the same scene, you know, at the same time. Right. But when we look at the GAN-generated images, it's different. So even those GAN models are very powerful, capturing all this nuance of, you know, uh, uh, human right. faces. It, it has trouble understanding this basic physics. And it's not, a, you know, rocket science. It's right. very simple piece of physical, um, um, uh, physical constraint. 
that the two eyes need to look at the same thing. So when we look at the reflections from the two eyes of GAN-generated images, they look very, they are very different. It's almost right. like the two eyes are looking at two different scenes at the oh, same time. Wow. Wow. So that, that should be easy to problem. fix. Shouldn't that be easy to fix? Uh, it, it can be fixed easily by just copying, you know, one eye to the other, right? <laughs> right. Um, but, but that's, that, that's not, you know, there are two reasons that it's not a perfect fix. Um, right. For one, um, the two eyes, the two images are, as I said, they are similar, but not, they're not exactly the same. So if you just copy paste, we can do all the geometric analysis and you can see that, you know, they shouldn't be exactly the same. There should be a slight right. shift and we can calculate that shift and we can know if they are exactly the same copy and that's equally unlikely. So um, that's one of the still, ways your software can determine whether it's real or a deep fake. Yes, we use that as okay. a cue. Um, uh, and, and I think the intuit, the, the kind of advantage of this cue is, is very intuitive. I can explain this to everyone and they immediately understand why we right. make, make that decision, right? Um, but on the other, on the fixing side, um, so that simple fix works to a certain extent, but, but cannot fool this origin. Um, but if they, I mean, they, they do can fix this by giving a lot more data and mm -hmm. specifically with data about the reflections to be consistent on both yeah. eyes. Um, and, and I have to say, you know, all this deep fake generation models, they are as smart as the data we feed them. Um, right. so the first round, we, we are able to capture these artifacts because the first round of generation model, whoever trained these models are not you know, careful enough to right. put data, you know, specifically emphasize, you know, putting this kind of data there. And they, mm -hmm. they actually need a lot more data to make this constraint to happen coherently. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so they, it, it was fixed. You know, um, I, I think this new round, there's a new, very recent model, um, coming mm -hmm. from the second generation. We now have the third generation of that oh, game wow. images. Okay. And they're now, you know, you still can see, you know, I, I, because I see enough number of those images, I can still right. see slight off of those reflections. But, you know, roughly when you look at them without, you know, without too much attention, they look pretty realistic now. So, wow. uh, that is one, uh, you know, that's the very nature of this problem. But we're, you know, what are we trying to do here is always looking for those, um, Achilles heels of the right. model. Um, so another thing we, we also, um, uh, after the, the discovery of this reflection pattern, we have also identified, you know, the shape of the iris. So, mm -hmm. you know, the shape of the iris, iris is the, the, the central, uh, okay. circular opening of our eyes. And for healthy adults, the circle of the iris are all are almost perfectly circular. They, they, yeah. they look like a circle. Um, in the GAN generated images, we have an algorithm that can automatically extract the iris shape. And we can compare that with a perfect circle. It turns out that the, you know, the second generation of the GAN models do not have a good circular shape. And that uh -huh. is also a very strong cue. Um, mm -hmm. but we need to look into those details where the model ignores and we can pick it up, use as a detection. So we're playing a lot of detective, uh, work, <laughs> but we play that detection detection, the intuition for detection into algorithms. So we want to do this, you know, automatically with an algorithm 
um, people can use instead of you know, asking people. Uh, of course, you know, a lot of people after they read the paper, they start to pay attention to the eye region. Um, but I think, you know, our, as a researcher, our ultimate goal is develop, you know, incorporate all these kind of cues into an automatic detection algorithm. But, but it's got to be hard if you're watching a video on your f iPhone where you can't right. see the eyes very that's clearly. True. They're small and you just see it and believe it. And I, I've got to believe that's one of the bigger consumption devices people use these days whether right. on YouTube or Facebook right. or wherever. How hard is the, right. how hard right. is the audio? I'm assuming that's easier than the video to fake. Uh, actually, actually not. I was surprised by this okay. fact. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but let me let me say a little bit about the um, 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 the other you know when, when those media shown on small screens. So okay. you know using this kind of sim uh, uh, physiological or physical cues is only one approach we rely on to detect right. defects. We have another approaches which are looking for something that is truly invisible to human eyes, mm -hmm. uh, but only uh, visible to algorithms. So you can sort of think about this in, in the analogy of an X-ray. You know, X-ray uh, shed on a human body will right. help us to see something otherwise naked eye cannot see. So we have an algorithm looking for signal signatures from those deepfake media. Uh, when they were generated, you know, fundamentally, they are different from real media. And real media come from a camera um, or a microphone, capture a physical event in the physical world, um, actually happen. But this kind of media are created using an algorithm completely out of vacuum um, and, and are digital. So that fundamental difference actually uh, will land in some, some differences at the signals, when we look at them as a sequence of numbers, those differences are not as intu intuitive as you know the eye reflection right. or every shape. But nevertheless, you know we can have algorithm if we train the algorithm on a large set of you know fake media and the real media, we could have an, um, um, some approach, some some level of confidence to pick out um, fake media that have similar signal signatures as things we have seen. Previously, so I think you know um, the um, uh, the question to Eric. Uh, the answer to Eric's question is, you know, we have other approaches complementary right. to uh, what we have described. Um, and in this area, it's always like in the you know in the pharmaceutical industry, no medicine gonna be the magical medicine. Right. We have to have right. a compound uh, right. solution to this. Now, coming back to the topic about audio, it's very interesting that audio synthesis is actually harder than really? images. Um, and I think what uh, the fundamental reason is not really too much of the tactical, but mostly because our audio system, human auditory system, is very different from our visual system. And, right. and our audio sy auditory system is particularly sensitive to artifacts. So if right. there's anything that is a little bit off, our ear is very sensitive to that. On the okay. other hand, you know, okay. if we have an image, huh. have a few pixels off, right. our, our our eyes are not very good at picking those artifacts right. to a certain extent. So the audios, if we have a little bit, you know, like noises, mm -hmm. like uh, those kind of um, 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 abrupt, um, you know, abnormal sounds in those audios, we can pick it up easily with our ears. Right. 
So it takes longer, but but I have to say at this moment, the audio synthesis algorithms are catching up. Um, you know, in my lab, we have examples where we can, you know, uh, um, uh, generate voices of celebrities like, you know, uh, President Obama or um, by, uh, President Biden um, using algorithms. And they now, you know, when you listen to them, I mean, you can, if you listen to them very carefully, you can still pick up those artifacts. But if you just listen to them once, um, it's not, you know, right. it's, it's, it's not, I will say it's for casual listener, um, those artifacts are, can, can just, you know, go under the radar. Um, uh, we also have an audio, we have an audio detection, uh, detection algorithm for audio defects. And that is again, based on some interesting, uh, physical observations. So mm. one thing, so it is through this line of work, I, you know, have a, in-depth study of human auditory system and find them wow. absolutely amazing. So one thing, you know, we probably are not aware of is the fact that, you know, our, our ears have this amazing ability to discount something we call local faces. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me explain what this means. While we were talking here, right. I'm, you know, suppose we're talking face to face in a room. Um, what happened is my mouse is making the sound and that sound is a wave and transmitting in space and reach your ear and you hear my voice. But it actually is not that simple because when I'm creating the sound, the sound wave does not go into one single path starting right. from the mouse to your ear. Actually, it goes everywhere, right? So it mm -hmm. goes to, right. to the wall, goes to the ceiling, and it bounces back. And, you know, you, 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 this is how the audio engineers, you know, mixing the sounds, right? They want to have all the sounds kind of mixing together. And, you know, very simple physics showing that, you know, if you're hearing the sounds, you're actually getting multiple copies of my voice oh. from different paths. And yeah. these different copies, even though they are the same sound, they arrive at your ear with slightly different time because they go through different paths, right? If it goes right. straight line or go to the ceiling and then you get a lot of reflection. Yes, yeah. you got reflection, yeah. you got you got you know multiple passes and and sound going in, in, in air with the fixed speed. So that means they will reach your ear at a different time. And that oh. different time in signal is called we call local faces. They there are there's a difference in local faces. So our auditory system have this very interesting um, uh, property of discounting that local face differences. And, you know, it's, it's important because otherwise, and we actually know uh, there are no cases of patients who due to genetic, uh, defect doesn't have this ability. So when they cannot hear anybody talking in a stable way, because all they're hearing is this hodgepodge of sounds, right. you know, mixing at different timing. It's almost like you in, you in a room listening to multiple people talking at the same time. You, it's very hard to pick, to find out that right. particular message right um and and our ear can do this very adaptively when does when the the arrival time is truly very different like in the echo you you you, you shot in a in a valley there's a back echo the the, the sounds right. coming back at a very different time now you hear two voices instead of one right, right. so it's very amazing I, and, and and at this point we don't really know the biological reason how right. this is so we actually take that as a hint um, to analyze um, local faces because all we hear, our ears or, or our brain, 
discount those differences in local phases right. and then somehow combine them into a single signal. And we all, we're only sensitive to the amplitude or the energy. So, right. so that's what, that's how you can hear me speaking, right? Um, so whatever coming to our ears that have the same energy profile, we treat that as a good sound. Um, and, and so there are, uh, AI synthesized audios. They, they, when we listen to them, they are very natural. Um, but we take this as a hint. We look into the local faces. Uh, since our ears are not sensitive to local faces, when those algorithms yeah. generating those voices, they don't care about, you know, how they're going to arrange local faces, right? And most likely the local faces of a real sound is completely random because it goes right. through different paths. But for those algorithms, their local faces has very specific relations. So you, you can identify those kind of, you know, uh, structures in those faces that shouldn't, you know, show up in natural voices. And then we use that hint and device an algorithm again, like an X-ray. You look into this direction where, you know, we will not be able to hear or, you know, see with, um, right. uh, with the waveform, but we can capture that differences in local faces. And that is an algorithm we developed in 2018. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So, so we've, we've got, you've got all these techniques to detect deep right. How easy is it to make them? Um, you mean developing the method or how easy to make deep No, just, you know, a, a user, somebody uh -huh. wants Eric's, to create a deep fake. Eric's looking for tips. He wants, he's, he's got a side hustle in mind, I think. Okay. That's where he's going. I, that's okay. I got you. Um, I think that's actually one of the major reasons why deep fake is dangerous. Um, okay. it is not like, you know, we cannot make face mopping videos, uh, you know, realistic human faces or voices 10 years or even 20 years ago. You know, if right. we watch Hollywood movie, right, we, we see all those special effects, you know, blue screens, um, you know, voiceover, um, right. they already, we already have the capacity of making them. But the problem is those are for people with special training, right. special equipment, you know, big budgets. Um, what defect change is now you can make them. Everybody can make them. All you need is a computer, internet, you know, a, a fast computer, internet, and a large hard disk, right? And you run and you have, and, and the algorithm is all, you know, many of the algorithms are freely available online and somebody wow. may even package them as apps on your cell phone. Um, so the, the democrat, the, the democratization of this capacity is what make us concerned. Um, Agreed. so I think, I think that's really, you know, the problem. Um, and, and if you say these days, I think, uh, audios are a little bit lagging behind, but there are several, you know, startups providing this as services, um, right. or face swapping videos. There are apps, um, right. and pa well packaged, uh, softwares and also open source code on GitHub and everybody can download them and you know, can use them. So, um, it's it becoming easier and easier. So I can do it myself. Um, I can outsource it. Pretty easy to get. And the other yes. thing, it doesn't have to be a hundred percent. I mean, if you detect a deep fake here, I can try again and again, right? Right. That's right. That's right. That's again, as I said, this is dynamic, right? Um, so right. it's always a, you know, um, back and forth. 
Uh, another problem on the show, Rachel, we can't fix today. <laughs> well, I, I know we're coming up on time here, so I did want to kind of close out our last question so you could share with our listeners about your deep fakeometer, which I believe has a very high success rate, yes, in detecting deep fakes. Yeah, um, well, I will say the deep fakeometer is um, our effort uh, to bundle all the existing deep fake detection technology and make them usable for the users. Um, you know, I like making deep fakes, uh, detecting deep fakes. We, there's really a vacuum of, uh, services provided in this way. And, mm-hmm. and I, and, and, but on the other hand, there's a lot of research also for detection algorithms, but those research are usually cold on GitHub. And for right. somebody who just wants to analyze an image or video, you know, it's right. It's Nobody's mom is going to do that unless they're in the business. Exactly. And they, yeah, they need to, they need to know how to set up the mm-hmm. environment, to download the code, to compile them and, you know, run them. Right. Yeah. So all those are actually a hurdle for users to take advantage of, the, of those detection algorithms. And so, so that's, that's the difficult meter. So we didn't develop all the detection algorithm, although right. we have a few in there, but what are we trying to do here is actually collecting known open source detection methods and put them in this uh, platform. Right. So, you know, users can just, you know, pick and select a, a subset and run on their media. So, so that's what are we trying to do? It got a lot of uses, uh, but also being abused, I will say, you know, really? we, yes, we have got several times, uh, got, um, uh, got hacked, uh, you know, people trying to do denial of service, or wow. we have seen ab- abnormal trials of users, you know, trying to, Run the algorithm. I think they mm-hmm. sometimes they just want to test out the uh, the detectors so that they they have a very high frequency of trying it out and mm-hmm. getting the results. Um, and these are all the things we're you know kind of we we un, we're not uh, unexpected to us. Um, right. So it's um, um, there's a lot of uh, um, I would say interesting experience in setting up the the, the platform. <laughs> right now, the platform is in its uh, stabilizing sta- stage, and we're we're trying to augment it with more detection algorithms. So we we're looking online, and whenever there's a code that we can incorporate, we'll we'll look into that. Yeah. Very cool. And I highly recommend everybody go to YouTube and look up the deep fakeometer tutorial because it's really cool and so easy to use. If you want to try to see if you've got a deep fake on your hands. Rachel, I have one more question if we have time. Okay. One more. One more. Close Dr. It Lou, is this really you or is this a deep fake? <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave this for you to guess. <laughs> How great would that be if you were faking us out the whole show? Hilarious. Okay. okay. Well, no, I the, did, no but I, seriously. Okay. Yeah. That requires more than a deep fake. It requires somebody who can think and, uh, you know, I, I think deepfakes <laughs> only provide the facade. Uh, well, that was yeah. that was really yeah. leading to my question. What yeah. what does the future look like? I mean, is it really right? You know, some kind of AI that can think and respond Ooh. and look and sound like you, but it's not you. Like, is um, that where this ends up eventually, or what does the future look like in your opinion? Like your avatar, like your deepfake avatar. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's certainly a dyspolitia uh, future. But but my I'm you know in terms of that I think you know I I, I cannot tell the future. But it it does seem that we are 
you know, approaching, you know, to toward that direction, let me say it this way. Um, but I, I think the future of deepfakes is we're going to see more realistic um, synthetic media being made more, you know, cheap, more cheaply and easily. Um, um, and, 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 and also not only uh, things like faces, voices are being uh, fabricated. We're also going to see natural scenes, objects, cars, you know, your pets, um, and also whole body, you know, whole human body act- actions will be generated. And, and I think that trend will be unstoppable. Um, you know, people are, you know, trying out AI algorithm to, you know, uh, meet up these challenges. And, and actually, I want to say, you know, you, although we think deepfakes mostly about their negative impacts, um, their existence is actually a tour de front, the tour de force of the AI technology, you know, we can create right, realistic right. human faces is actually a huge achievement for AI researchers. So I right. think that development will not stop. Um, but I would also always say, you know, defects directly coming off out of algorithms will always carry some kind of artifacts. Right. Um, and and it, it takes human in the loop to fix mm-hmm. all those artifacts. So I think right. I won't, I don't see humans going to completely disappear from this whole scene, you know, being replaced by our digital twins or, you know, digital existence in any, you know, near future. I think humans are going to play actually a more and more important role in this. Um, it, but, but that's, that's really, you know, um, uh, what do we try, what do we have to, you know, um, be aware of, um, and, and, and developing better detection algorithms. Rachel, I've yet to find the artist, the computer, the algorithm, the application that can make me look good. So there's still uh, <laughs> there's still hope in the future. <laughs> there is. Never give up hope, Eric. Never give up hope. Well, Dr. Swain Lu, thank you so much for joining thank us you. today. This thank has been so me. much fun. My head's yeah. like Whoosh. Yeah. Oh, as as always, oh, so educational. Right. Thank exactly. You. We learned so much. Good luck with okay. the deep fake ometer. And uh, right? fighting the good fight here. Yes, yes, we'll we'll keep we'll keep doing that, and uh, you know we 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 live and learn, and and a lot of lessons yeah. we're going to incorporate into our next iteration of the system and making it better, making it easier to use for the users. So thank you very much for your interest, and uh, this is a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you, and to all our listeners out there, thanks for joining us yet again for our weekly podcast, and and again, don't forget. You smash that subscription button and you get a new, fresh, piping hot episode delivered straight to your email every Tuesday. And it's real. And it's real. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, everyone, be safe. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. 